This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Ahsoka is the latest Star Wars TV series on Disney+. This one's about a character who's beloved by fans of the franchise's animated series, but if you only know the Star Wars movies, you're likely meeting her for the very first time. Rosario Dawson plays Ahsoka. She was once a Jedi before she rejected the Order's stuffy, bureaucratic ways. Sure, she seems all tough and stoic now, but she's harboring a great sense of guilt because she knows that her one-time Jedi mentor and closest friend eventually became... Darth Vader. I'm Glenn Weldon, and today we're talking about Ahsoka on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from Capital One, presenting sponsor of the 2024 Tiny Desk Contest. Earlier this year, unsigned musicians from around the country submitted their original songs for the 10th annual Tiny Desk Contest. The panel of judges are hard at work picking standout entries, and you can follow along and choose your favorite videos as well. The winner gets to play their very own Tiny Desk Concert, then headline a tour with NPR Music this summer. Want to come along for the ride? Visit tinydeskcontest.npr.org to learn more. Then check out the Venture X card from presenting sponsor Capital One. Earn unlimited 2x miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Joining me today is filmmaker, pop culture critic, and iHeartRadio producer, Joelle Monique. Joelle, welcome back. Hey, Glenn. Glad to be back. Oh, Joelle, I have so many questions. Uh, (laughs) I have answers. Let's get into it. Okay, so the long time ago and far, far away galaxy in which Ahsoka unfolds is a more morally gray place than it was in the Star Wars films. The series is set in the years after the events of Return of the Jedi, as the recently established New Republic strives to rid the galaxy of the last vestiges of the Edil Empire. And it features many characters who've appeared in the Star Wars animated series The Clone Wars and Rebels, as well as the live-action series The Mandalorian. Chief among these is Ahsoka herself, played by Rosario Dawson. In the animated series, Ahsoka was young and idealistic, but seeing her beloved mentor Anakin turn to the dark side and destroy the Jedi Order has made her guarded and aloof. She reunites with her one-time Jedi mentee, or Padawan, Sabine Wren, played by Natasha Lou Bordizzo, but neither one of them is sure that continuing Sabine's training makes any sense now that the Jedi are extinct. They're all trying to find and stop a new threat to the galaxy and also find their friend Ezra Bridger, who's played here by Iman Osfandi. There's also, it should be noted, a lot of business with a space map and space witches and space whales. Ahsoka is streaming on Disney+, and a spoiler warning, if you are listening to this episode the day it drops, the Ahsoka finale airs tonight. Now, Joelle and I haven't seen it, but we're going to talk about the seven episodes that we have. Joelle, please help. What do you think of Ahsoka? 
So first I have to give your audience just a fair, honest statement about me and my relationship with Ahsoka. I have two tattoos. One of them is a witch. The other are Ahsoka's lightsaber hilts. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I am obsessed with this character. I love her deeply. I am hypercritical of this show. I think there are many, many things to love. I love Rosario Dawson's performance as Ahsoka. I like getting to see a lot of Legends characters for folks outside the Star Wars fandom. Any books, comic books written prior to Disney's acquisition of Star Wars are considered legends but oh boy uh some very typical (laughs) things we have of these star wars live action shows the pacing is unrelentingly slow for reasons i don't understand there's so much story to be told here i question some of what we choose to show apparently ahsoka stops sabine from going to mandalore to save her family your family died on mandalore because your master didn't trust you. That's conflict, and I think it's the main thing missing from Ahsoka. We are lacking conflict between characters who love each other, conflict between characters who are against each other. It's a space opera, and what we're getting is really into the samurai aspect, which is fine. It's Ahsoka. She's a warrior. She's a lone samurai. But I think you can't miss the space opera element of it. You need high stakes. You need high emotions, and you need high conflict. You need that tension, and it's just so subtly played out throughout Ahsoka that I think it causes everything to feel sluggish and slow. And that being said, oh my gosh, they brought in Ezra and he's perfect. I mean, Iman Esfande is some of the best casting in this series. Okay, <laughs> Crown, crown him. He's so good as this character. And I think he turns over a lot of what has been struggling in the show. Like that dichotomy of character. You can't have like four aloof low energy <laughs> characters to launch a series. I wish we had gotten them on a little bit earlier. And, you know, it's like all of the pieces are there. I'm just not loving how they're all assembled. Okay. You are the perfect person to talk about this with me because <laughs> I, I I feel so much of what you're saying, even though I'm coming at it from the outside. I never watched the animated series. I have okay. surfed a wiki in my time because it is 2023 and that's the law. And <laughs> it's not a principled nerdy stance because as you say, it's not that they're not canon because they very much are. When mm-hmm. Lucas sold the franchise to Disney, everything goes away. Everything becomes legends. All the extended universe except for the movies and the animated series, which at that time was Clone Wars, but now it's Rebels. So they're very much in the mix. I just – I. I have more or less come around to the series Ahsoka, but as you allude to, Joelle, in the early going for me, it was very rough. I'd be interested to see what breakdown of people who are sticking with this show, what percentage of them are like you and what percentage of them are like me. Me too. How many of them actually watch the animated series? Because coming from the outside, I get that Ahsoka feels guilty. I don't understand why, because it wasn't her fault, but okay, she feels guilty that, you know, the Darth Vader of it all, and I love Rosario Dawson, but here she's doing, at least in the early going, the first half of the series, she is doing stoic and badass, which comes off as just dour. She's kind of a bummer. She's kind of a (laughs) pill. She is, yeah. And also this thing is loaded, front-loaded with callbacks for fans of the animated series, Mm -hmm. and Ahsoka's creator, Dave Filoni, is also behind those shows, and he has said he wants this to feel like another season of Star Wars Rebels. But he's also said that you don't need to have seen the animated series. Now, as someone who knows the animated series as well as you do, what do you make of that? Uh, With so much love and respect to Dave Filoni, if it's going to be a continuation, then it requires prior reading. It requires you do the work before. And particularly if all of your recalls are going to be strictly in conversation. 
It's not helpful to only hear what's happened. We need to see it in action, which is why I really wanted to see what happened on Mandalore, why Ahsoka wouldn't let Sabine go. That's it's the mm-hmm. crux of their breakup. It explains all of the frustration and angst and concern and questioning between the two of them. What happened? Don't you ever get tired of moving from one place to another? I go where I'm needed. Not always. There's nowhere you can go to look at that, read about it. There's no prior knowledge other than it was said rather briefly. And so I think I think what Disney has to come to terms with is the fact that if you're going to continue to build out a Legends-style canon, which I think is great, I love it, then you have to be prepared to either bring people in in a way that makes sense or acknowledge that, hey, this is just not going to be for everybody. We'll have a smaller audience overall because there is so much background that needs to be done to dive into these things. You've already clarified something for me because, yes, a lot of what I didn't get happens in dialogue here. And those first few episodes, you're just neck deep in a big bowl of egg salad. Yeah, no, and... I think trying to serve two masters really messes everything up because as a f- super fan, I'm like, I know this, I know this, I know this, yeah, I know see. this. This is not new information to me. This is not giving me any new understanding of the characters. It's sluggish. I was like, I, I want to get into the world as it is right now. Magic word sluggish. Several scenes early on, the first half of the season, just characters sharing long pauses, slow nods, enigmatic expressions. There is a point in the pilot, Joelle, where... Sabine is on Ahsoka's ship and she's kind of, to my mind, she's lingering meaningfully over a wall panel. And I'm like, you're killing me here, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know that scene at the end of uh, Return of the King where Frodo's in bed and every single member of the fellowship gets jumps into the bed. It's a classic scene. She gets a chance to kind of walk in the doorway and get framed in the doorway, get a tight shot up of their face going, yes, it's me. Imagine that if you had not seen the three films leading up to it. That's kind of what... It felt like to me again and again, I was growing real impatient with the series, but then we got to the space witches. I'm a basic gay man. I'm a sucker for a space witch. Give me a space witch. Yes. I am uh, a sucker for the heavily memed image of Grand Admiral Thrawn's Star Destroyer. How to put this? Settling itself upon Mm. the spire of the witch's temple. One might call it docking. Yes. Call it docking. I am 12. I love that, but I have a very basic question for you, which is- (laughs) Yeah. My understanding of the character of Ahsoka is that she rejected the ways of the Jedi. She's carving her own path. And when, when Rosario Dawson turned up on The Mandalorian briefly, that was the same vibe I got from her. She's doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. Here, it seems like she is back toeing the party line. It's Jedi, mm-hmm. Jedi, Jedi, all day, all way, Jedi for life, for L-Y-F-E. <laughs> and she's going to get her a Padawan learner. She's going to restart this whole broken system. Is that mm-hmm. out of character or am I missing something? Because whenever I think I'm missing something in the Star Wars franchise, I figure, oh, there's probably a comic that explains it. There's probably a video game, yeah. <laughs> probably a bed sheet that I don't have that explains this all. She leaves the Jedi Order because basically she's like, hey, the Senate is clearly up to something. We, like Bad things are happening here. The vibes are not good. I have to go. Even my master is questioning it. He's just not prepared to leave and I can't wait for him. She leaves before he turns. It has nothing to do with Anakin. And so I think that her return to some of the Jedi principles is simply because that is all she knows. Mm -hmm. There is no family to go back to. There's no community. If you think about the life of a Jedi, you're basically abducted as a child. You are then raised in a temple with other Jedi until you become like 13. Then in Ahsoka's generation, then you became... A general. <laughs> you went straight into war. There is no other life outside of the Jedi that she knows. Even when she went to forge her own path, all she has are these 
her training. And so she's constantly falling back on them. Yeah. But he's like, I'm not following Jedi protocol here. Yeah. My Padawan doesn't need to be a Jedi. I wanted to pass on my knowledge of the Force. Not everyone can handle the type of discipline it takes to master the ways of the Force. So I think she straddles a line, but I think it's because there isn't much else there. If I can ask you a question, have you felt like this entire show is Ahsoka's show? Yeah, I mean, again, because she's not giving much, right? She's giving mm-hmm. stoicism. She's giving, mm-hmm. like, from the evidence before me, I don't see why this is such a beloved character. I'll be honest. And I think that's totally fair. And that's what's really been frustrating for me is I can't even recommend people go here. People are like, oh, well, what should I do? I'm like, well, go watch uh, season seven of Clone Wars where you really get into, like, who is this character when she's not a Jedi, when she's outside of that order, when she's completely by herself? She's got like that effortless cool where you instantly want to get to know her. She's quippy and funny and fast. None of what you get to see at the top of this series. I love watching this character. I wish I had a show that was specifically hers. So let's talk about that fifth episode. The fifth episode features the return of Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. There's a conflict that Ahsoka has with Anakin that stretches the entire episode, whether it's because he's a force ghost or it's the world between the worlds or it's a dream or Ahsoka's unconscious memories of Anakin. There is a kind of episode long uh, lightsaber battle between the two of them. What's the lesson, master? Live. Or die. I won't fight you. And I kind of expected something more concrete to emerge from it because he challenges her to give up her passivity, her peacefulness, and fight. Because I think the what we're supposed to take away from this is to fight is to live. Is that what we're supposed – that she's decided to live? Was that an issue for her before? Passivity? <laughs> what was that doing? Okay. So it seems to me that most fans think, okay, this is Ahsoka's subconscious – trying to sort out her overall issues with Anakin, which is basically, I left and then you turned. And had I stayed, you might not have turned. I Mm. might have been the anchor that kept you sane. But I don't have to live in the past. I don't have to die there. I can evolve and grow and change. I think it's a perfectly fine reading of everything. To me, if we have Force ghosts and they are consciously sharing information, then when I see a Force ghost, I think that's the actual person, not a subconscious thing. Yeah. And I think, for me, that's so much more about Anakin actually having a redemptive arc. From the original series, a big critique is always, how do you get a deathbed redemption? After yeah. all of the horrible things you do, especially yeah. after we get the prequels where you're slaughtering children. Mm-hmm. And so for him to come back and say, hey, I know that my choices have made life rougher for you. Don't die here with me. Go out and live and be better. Which is great because I love Anakin and I love that Hayden Christensen gets a chance to be like, uh, actually, I'm a pretty decent actor. And to give a little justice to that character who's so integral to the entire franchise. But then again, it feels much less about Ahsoka, the character. In The Mandalorian, she refuses to train Grogu. She absolutely refuses. And you get the sense that my master turned into Darth Vader and horrible, horrible things happened because he should have never been trained in the ways of the force. I can't understand why she's training Sabine or if something happens with Sabine that then leads her to be like, okay, you know what? No, I was, my instincts are right. Absolutely. No, we do not train them again. It's confusing. I like it because the performances are solid, but I don't sure. know 
what the turn to this white Jedi is supposed to mean. She's just a little happier. Like she mm-hmm. smiles more. That's pretty much that's pretty much how it manifests. Yeah, she's back to her quippy self, which is nice, but the thing I liked most about those early episodes of the show was this show would go 30, 40 minutes before you're realizing, you know what? A man hasn't had a piece of dialogue yet. <laughs> like, Let's talk about the women. Oh my God. They don't point at it, they don't underline it, but it's the Harris Sabine Ahsoka Mon Mothma show. Yes, it is. And it doesn't feel like a statement. It just feels like an attempt at course correction. And I was here for that. I really love it because all these characters have been around. These are all the positions they would have fulfilled anyway, stepped into. So it feels very natural. It doesn't feel forced. We're like, I guess we have to throw in some more women. Uh, We don't have any of the Mm -hmm. typical, like, cliche women conversations. I think watching women with lightsabers will always just be iconic to me. It took so long for us to get them and then for them to be taken seriously because when Ahsoka first came out, people also really did not like her as a character. I mean, one of the highlights of this series is like there are so many women in so many powerful positions doing such cool things. I just feel like so much of these women, as cool as they are, are underwritten dialogue wise and even action wise i don't know if you know like to me a lot of times people just stop to talk at each other as opposed mm-hmm. to like the way humans actually live which is like let's be involved in the scene and in a moment and i don't know i'm folding clothes i'm eating i'm prepping my weapons yeah. anything they just stop they're not doing anything except talking at each other and there's i hate to say it but some of these it just feels so lifeless again conflict is extremely lacking i understand that they have different ideas about what to do next, but not why they have those different ideas or how they disagree, or even if they need the other to agree. Yeah, you ask yourself, but why a lot on yeah. this show? Because it took a while for the humor to kind of infiltrate. They had David Tennant's droid providing comic relief, thinking that was enough. Not bad, but not good. It's been a while. Obviously. It took a while for everybody to loosen up. And it surprised me that Sabine would be the character who helped kind of goose the humor in the show because in those first couple episodes, man, she was not given anything. Yeah. Sabine's introduction is so freaking cool. It's on that motorcycle. You have that cool song that is both mm-hmm. punk and like sort of original to Star Wars, but fits in nicely. And then after that, you're like, now she's just kind of dour. No, no, I get it. Um, so one other thing I like, I do like Ahsoka's ship. I like the yeah. table that rises out of the floor, although... Hygiene. Looks cool. Hygiene, right? <laughs> can, can we talk about it for a second? That is their training floor. That is where they are sweating and their space boots are knocking all over the place. Nobody wipes a thing down. And they're just, they're eating off a gym mat yeah. is the thing, which it's just, it's the grossest thing. When they set the teacups down, I was like, don't do it. I was, what are you doing? Don't what do are you doing? What are you doing? I can't. It's a great design. I'm sure the Swedish were like, yes, we, more <laughs> modulization. We love it. <laughs> the space Swedes. I guess I would just say that for as many issues as I have with the show, and clearly I have many, I'm still enjoying myself. I still get excited for the episodes, which is mm-hmm. either a testament to my insane love of Star Wars or the fact that there's always going to be something about getting a chance to see these characters in action. And I, I'm hoping for a solid ending. I mean, yeah, I we have so much more. <laughs> Glenn, don't kill him. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping yeah. for a solid landing because we're going to be building out series and movies from this and oh, we'll see. I would say give this series a shot. 
read the books, get into, if you haven't watched the animated shows, there's stuff to be gained in there. Please love these characters as much as I do so they don't have to go away, is my plea to the audience. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that I mean, I thank you so much for this because, man, I, I feel like you're Padawan learner. And I, <laughs> it's a place where I, I love to be. We want to know what you think about Ahsoka. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Joelle Monique, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Glenn. This was lovely. We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you have not yet signed up, want to show your support, and listen to the show without a single sponsor break, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour, or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Liz Metzger and Thomas Liu and edited by Mike Katzev. Our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy, and Holokamin provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Glenn Weldon, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR.